0: Amen. Please be seated. Good morning and welcome again. I, I realized that when I stood up a minute ago, I didn't introduce myself. If you're a guest with us this morning, my name is Craig, and I am the other pastor here. And uh, we are certainly glad to have you with us. Uh, we begin today a series of three sermons around Thanksgiving. We'll then move into a series of sermons on, uh, on, uh, during Advent, so some Christmas sermons. We won't be back in the book of Mark until... February the 3rd, that's my birthday, so y'all bring gifts, and I'll bring the Word, and we'll all have a good time. Is that okay? Is that accept? No? Okay. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, your birthday's on a Saturday, mine's on a Sunday, so just bring the gifts. All right. Um, hey, we are uh, in- entering into a time of Thanksgiving, uh, and today we also remember our veterans. We're going to uh, have a time of prayer uh, for our veterans at the end of service today, but I just want you to know, I appreciate... Um, I'm so grateful for so many of you who serve uh, so that the rest of us who haven't served uh, can have the freedoms that we enjoy. And I just want to say thank you for your service to our kingdom. Uh, sure, we don't have a kingdom, to our country. We live in God's kingdom, but uh, I should probably just start preaching. Thank you for those of you who have served. If you have your Bibles, you're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 1, just three verses verses 8 through 10, Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Many of you that remember, we have waded through the entire book of Romans in just the past few years. We are not starting back into the book of Romans, but Paul certainly has something good to say to us uh, this morning in Romans chapter 1 as it relates to the way that we think about and thank God for the church that he has allowed us to be a part of. So this morning, if you would stand with me in honor of God's Word, and I'm going to read to you Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Now, interesting, let me just give you this. That first, there's not a second. So maybe what Paul's actually trying to do is just give us like a primary. Like my first thanks... That the power of your word would move mightily in this building today. That, Father, we would reflect upon the blessing that we have in Christ to be a part of a local gathered body of believers, a family of God right here at Malvern Hill, that we would recognize the gift that your church is to us. That we would give you glory for it. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Did you notice the stars last night? I didn't either. Though I believe the skies were clear, and if they were, I'm sure that they were beautiful. You see, in reality, most of us don't notice the stars that often. But if we didn't see them regularly, it might be that we appreciated them a little bit more. Ralph Waldo Emerson actually wrestled with this question. Listen to his quote. If the stars should appear one night in a thousand years, how would men believe and adore and preserve for many generations the remembrance of the city of God which had been shown? But every night come out these envoys of beauty and light the universe with their admonishing smile. You see, we don't notice the stars because they're always there. But if the stars only showed up for us once in a while, perhaps once in a blue moon, or once a year, or once a decade. Oh, how the world would change. The world stopped in the Midlands of South Carolina last year because there was a total eclipse. I mean, it was really the wildest thing. Schools let out early. Businesses all but closed their doors for a little while so that people go out. There were fields that were filled with people. Matter of fact, I met my family, and we went and sat in the field and watched the eclipse, just like the rest of y'all. It's like some. It, was, it Really what it was, was that in the absence of football season, we needed an excuse to tailgate, and everybody found one. It was one of the hottest, most miserable experiences of my life. It was about 180 degrees in that field, and there wasn't a tree anywhere, which was the goal. You couldn't have trees because we needed to see the sun. See, if the stars weren't there for us every night, oh, how we would miss them. But if we caught a glimpse, even for just a moment, oh, how we would love them. See, the same is true for many things in our lives. We don't fully appreciate them because they're just regular. They're just normal. They're always there. And I think the same is especially true for our church. We have a great church, and I'm grateful for that. And now, look, I know that because I'm the pastor, most of you go, Well, of course, he would say that, because I mean, you know, it's my job. But it's not just me who says it. Other people say that about our church. Just this week, uh, a man stopped by our church and asked for some some advice on some things that they're trying to get going, because he said this He said, I want my church to impact my community the way this church impacts its community. It's pretty incredible. Right, I mean that was the, you. You want to talk about getting a pastor all sorts of excited? I was like, ha-ha, we're not failing. We had revival this week. Condi Richardson's here preaching to us. I took Condi to, to dinner on uh, what well, y'all took Condi to dinner on Tuesday night, and I said, Condi, I want you to tell me what are some things that you've noticed about our church. You're you're outsider. Um, tell, tell me what you see. And he had some critiques, but he said this, and it just blew me away. He said, Craig, I didn't believe that a church like this could exist in East Camden. He said, I'm blown away by your church. I'm blown away by the love, by the fellowship, by the care. He said, it is amazing. And I just poked my chest out like that. I said, yeah, I did all that. Then the Lord struck me dead. (laughs) Got to be careful. We don't want to look like Nebuchadnezzar roaming the fields. Eating grass. We recognize that we have the privilege of being a part of a really great church because God, in His sovereign grace, has decided to bless us. His Holy Spirit has moved among us and continues to do so. Right? We see really good things happening and we celebrate that. We celebrate the obedience of His children in honoring what it is that He has called us to do. But this morning, I want us to think for just a few minutes about what it would look like to be thankful for our church. How should you be thankful for our church? And not just let it become sort of an everyday occurrence that we forget. Paul wrote about that to the Romans. Now, Paul was writing actually to a church that he had never visited. So it's appropriate that we acknowledge this is not exactly a one-to-one comparison. But I think there's some really important things that we can glean from this. This was a church with which he was very intimately affiliated. He knew people in the church. He had relationships within the church. He knew, he had probably taught perhaps some of these people he had even seen come to Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans shows just how much he loves the church. Heard somebody say recently if a pastor wants to see a church revitalized under his leadership, then he needs to do four things well he needs to preach. He needs to pray. but Listen to number three. He needs to love his people. The other ones need to stay, but he's got to love. Paul loved the church at Rome. It's obvious as we read it. The book of Romans is the closest thing we get to a systematic theology textbook in the entire Bible. But you don't read the book of Romans and feel like you're reading a textbook. You read the book of Romans and it's filled with, with joy. It's filled with praise and glory. Paul's writing to what we believe to have been one of the stronger churches in early Christianity, and he's writing to help them grow even stronger. He begins his letter with a brief introduction, and this is where I really want us to begin to jump in. Now, the first thing Paul does is introduces himself. He says, hey, it's me, Paul. Now, this is the way that people would have introduced themselves regularly in the New Testament times. When they would write a letter, they would begin with an opening statement, hey, it's it's Paul I'm writing to you. That's not so much different than what we do. Now, when I send an email to one of y'all, I don't introduce myself because in the subject line it says this comes from Craig Thompson. But if I write to somebody I don't have a relationship with or people I don't know very well, I might write that email or write a letter or even send a text that says, Hey, this is Craig Thompson. I'm the pastor at Mountain. That's how I I introduce myself when I call somebody on the telephone. had to make a couple business phone calls for us this week to uh, adjust some of the the services that we have um, as as the church. And they say, Hello, how may I help you? I say, Hey, I'm Craig Thompson. I'm the pastor at Malvern Hill Baptist Church in Camden, South Carolina. That's essentially what Paul's done right. Hey, it's me, Paul, apostle to the Gentiles. And they go, Oh, we've heard about you. Okay, cool. What do you have to say to us? So he addresses them first. He spends five and a half verses reminding the church who Jesus is and what he's done. Now watch, Paul says, it's me. And then what does Paul say? It's Paul. I am the man. Y'all should follow. No, Paul says, well, it's me, Paul, servant of Jesus Christ wow, the Apostle Paul. If you had a business card, Paul might say, Paul, servant of Jesus Christ. Then he spends five and a half verses reminding the church who Jesus is and what he's done. Paul wants to get off on a good foot right here. Paul, servant of Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, do you remember who Jesus is? Let me give you some input. This Jesus who brought the gospel, who's promised beforehand. He's given us his prophets and the scriptures. All these things. Then Paul addresses the Roman believers. And this is where I really want us to focus. Watch. He addresses the Roman believers beginning in verse 6. He says, Including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. How about that? Paul addresses the Roman believers as called to belong to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 7, grace and peace to those, or excuse me, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Paul says, Church, you're not just a social club. I'm writing to you as the called out people of God. Now, Paul is writing to a mixed congregation of Jews and Gentiles. Understand, That up to the point in time where Jesus comes and institutes his church, the Jewish people were seen as the people of God. They were the called out ones of God. And yet Paul writes, and he doesn't say I'm writing to the people of God and to the Gentiles. Paul says, I'm writing to all of you who collectively together are called out as God's people. All right, So you are the people of God, loved by God, and called to be what? Called to be saints is not just a social club. These are God's people. These are God's children. The Greek word for saints is agios. It comes from a word, agos, that means, and there's actually a hard H in there, but we're going to leave that out. It means an awful thing or sacred. Hagios is translated seriously as holy. And saints are the holy one. The definition of this word is something like one that is most holy, you ready? On account of their connection with God. We might say it like this. A saint is someone who has been changed to be like God. There is a family resemblance. Paul is writing and saying, I'm writing to the smiths. Except he says, I'm writing to the saints. God's people. If Paul wrote a letter to Malvern Hill Baptist Church. Consider how powerful it is that he would say, Paul, in a servant of Jesus Christ, to the people of God, saints at Malvern Hill. What a blessing. That's how God has blessed our church. We've got to begin where Paul began. You all, we all are God's people. When we begin to think about how it is that we would thank the Lord for our church, we begin by saying, thank you, God, that you have called out a group of people right here at Malvern Hill and have allowed them, allowed us to be called by your name and you have worked to make and remake us into your image. Y'all, that should bring you joy unspeakable that God says here's my name wear it with pride wear it with joy and give him praise and glory and honor as a result these are the people we are this is who we are this is who you are But beyond what God has done for you and called us collectively, what are the things for which we should thank our God for in relation to our church? Number one this morning, you should thank God for your church's reputation. Notice in verse 7. Those who are loved by God and called to be saints. But then he goes on in verse 8 and he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world Paul says the world knows about you Paul says Rome I can't wait to get there I pray and thank God for you regularly because everywhere I go people are talking about the church at Rome folks listen we want to be the church that everywhere we go people are talking about us But we want to be careful to be the kind of church they're talking about us for the right reasons. We've all known the church that got talked about. We want to make sure that we're the church that gets talked about, not because we rip people up and spit them out. Not because, look, look, and and, and hey, let's just be real. Twelve years ago almost when I came here, what was Malvern Hill known as? The church that ran pastors off every three years. Y'all don't have to like it. I get it. Most of y'all weren't even, half of y'all weren't even here then. But for those of you that were, I love you. But when I called other people and I said, hey, I'm thinking about this church at Malvern Hill, they said, why would you do that? I said, well, they seem like really cool people. And, and, and they like us and I'm, my wife's pregnant. So we're really just excited to go. Well, Craig, don't you know? Do you know their reputation? Yeah, I've heard. But we believe that God might be able to do something different there. Folks, what is the reputation that our church has? Paul says of the Roman church that they were known all over for their faith. Can I tell you that when you go to the Lord in prayer and you thank God for your church, remember this is not just some random group of people. These are God's people. Not only are they God's people, these are God's people who have a reputation. It should be one of our goals that people inside and outside of our church speak regularly about the faith and the exercise of faith that exists within this church body. I recently had a conversation with a guy named Mark Clifton. He's responsible for church revitalization at North American Mission Board. And I said, Mark, how would you define a revitalized church? He said, I would define a revitalized or healthy church this way. It is a church that has a reputation, I like that, a reputation of disciples who make disciples and whose community is markedly better because of the church's presence within that community. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When I find myself going to the Lord and praying for our church, I'm regularly grateful that our community is better because of y'all's presence within this community. I'm grateful that when I go places and I introduce myself as Craig Thompson, the pastor at Malvin Hill, they go, oh, I know your people, and I don't have to go, oh. They say, thank you for what you did here. Thank you for what you did there. Thank you for the way that you minister. (coughs) Be thankful that you as a church have a reputation as one who is filled with love and compassion. I've been a part of churches before that didn't have that kind of reputation. Our church has a reputation as a safe place where the gospel is preached and people are loved. i got to card in the mail this week from somebody who lives on the other side of the river some of y'all do and we accept you so we would have accepted this person as well but they live way over there in Lugoff. how many of you have been here long enough that you still say I didn't want to drive all the way to Lugoff? when Angel and I moved here we thought that was the craziest thing in the world people say I just didn't want to drive all the way out to Lugoff. now some of y'all live like on the other side of Cassett and you're like man I don't even want to drive to Camden forget about Lugoff. But look, after we'd been here about three years, we'd look at each other and go, Man, I don't want to drive all the way to Lugoff. You know, it's like six whole minutes to get there. <laughs> anyway, from way over in Lugoff, wrote, wrote a card. It's laying on my desk. I mean, like one of those good cards, like, like, like your grandma gives you for your birthday. Not like the card that your brother gave you that said, Happy Birthday, and he just scribbled his name at the bottom and threw it at you just the card your grandma gave you you know it was blank on the inside one of those kind you open it up and then they just wrote words like real words in handwriting that's legible and it started at the top and it went all the way down to the bottom and then i had to flip it over and read it on the back and it just said i want to thank you and your church for the way that you all minister in this community isn't that incredible it was somebody who had attended our fall festival and said, I'm, "I'm great job on that event, but not just that. Thank you. From somebody who attends another church on the other side of the river, thank you. Folks, that's your reputation. Isn't that incredible? How about this? Condi bragged on y'all multiple times. He bragged on y'all. He said this. He said, Craig, they are a really great church to preach to. And you are. I said, I know. It's fun. He said, man, they really lean in. That's why he preached so long. I thought he wouldn't hush one of those nights. If y'all keep, when y'all keep listening, see, we pastors, we feel inspired to keep preaching. <laughs> Quit. Don't roll your eyes. Just focus. You lean in. Hey, that's not coming from me. That's from somebody that comes from the outside. <laughs> that's your reputation. Be thankful for that. Thank the Lord that you get to be a part of a church where you don't have to be embarrassed to invite someone to come with you. And y'all, I, I don't mean that to be sarcastic. I have, I have been on staff at churches before when I would talk with somebody about the Lord and they would ask me about, about coming to the church and in all honesty, I struggled with whether or not I should invite them to come with me or urge them to go to a healthier church down the road. And that, that, like, that's not funny, that's not sarcastic. It was a real legitimate question for me as I labored over how to provide the best care for their soul. Praise the Lord for the reputation that you have as a church that cares and invests. But hey, don't sit back on your laurels as you thank God for it. Make sure you keep it up. Right? Make sure you keep it up. Number two, thank God for your church's care. Be thankful that our church has a reputation for also being a place that cares very well for each other. Based on some of Paul's writing in this letter related to the relationship between the Jews and the Greeks, we believe that one of the issues that this church had was a struggle between exactly how it was going to always care well for each other. you got this mixed multitude of people, right? And yet somehow with this mixed multitude of people who didn't have a whole lot of things in common, Paul was still able to write a letter that is almost all positive. Very little harshness in this letter. Folks, we want to make sure that we're the kind of church that looks like the Roman church. Where you got the Jews and the Gentiles and the people of all sorts of backgrounds coming together and yet related to one another in Christ. Paul writes to them and says, You are the family of God, the called out ones, the saints, not like the the super saints and the JV saints. You are all the saints of God, one family. Thank God for the way that your church cares. Paul writes to the Romans, and later on he's going to actually say, I'm going to try and get there to visit you, and when I get there, I know you're going to take good care of me. Why? Because the church had a reputation for hospitality and care. He didn't have to worry that if he showed up in town, he was going to go hungry. Paul knew about this church, and he knew that when he showed up, things would just get done. He would get taken care of. Folks, you want to know one of the ways our church really shows up in times like death and crisis. I regularly hear people say things like, wow, I've never seen a church do this. When things are not good, I'm thankful that Malvern Hill is the kind of church when everything else runs out, you guys run in. And that is to your credit. Folks, you should regularly find yourself saying, Lord Jesus, thank you that you've allowed me to be a part of a church. That I don't have to be alone. That I know, God, you'll never leave me or forsake me. But Lord God, I am a part of a church that won't run away. If you don't know you're a part of that kind of church, then let me just tell you today, this is that kind of safe place. Some of you are guests with us. Some of you visited. You've never taken that next step to join, to jump into a life group, to, to engage in membership. Some of you, it's because you got burned up at another church. I'm sorry that that happened to you. But can I tell you that this is the kind of place that surrounds her people and takes good care we don't shoot our wounded. We nurse them back to health. I know, because I've been the pastor here for 11 years. I say 11, I've lived here for 11 years and 6 months or so, but through a period of about 6 months, this church pastored me more than I pastored the church. Angela and I know what it's like to receive the care of our church. When our children were born, we've, there's been some medical issues, some health problems through the time, uh, through, through our adoption process that nearly killed all of us, you guys walked with us. And I mean walked. I mean, sometimes like our kids would just disappear because somebody took them and hid them in a room somewhere so we could go hide in a room somewhere. We understand and are grateful for the care that this church provides. Many of you have been recipients of that. Maybe it was a time of death or medical crisis, but there are countless others. When marriages are struggling, when finances are tight, when spiritual darkness settles in, Malvern Hill shows up. They cook, they clean, they pray, they preach. Sometimes they just sit in silence like Job's friends. I've sat in those rooms with some of you where words don't get spoken. They don't have words or answers. They have time. They have a ministry of presence. Thank God for your church's care. Thank God. Thank God that your church is, has a reputation of taking care of her pastors, and of her leaders. We're growing in those areas. Great. Some of you here for a business meeting just uh, last Sunday, our, our church approved a, a sabbatical for me. In the month of January, I'll be gone, trying to become a better pastor for all of you. Not like gone forever, just like gone from here for a few weeks. You know, And that's something that, that our personnel committee comes alongside, and they say, we want to provide care for you and for our other pastoral staff. How can we care for our leaders How can we come alongside? Folks, this is a great thing. And I want to encourage you. I want you to go home and thank the Lord today that you're a part of a church that cares. How many of you have been the recipient of a casserole from Malvern Hill Baptist Church? Right? How many of you got a bowl of banana pudding before? You know? It's great. You want to know what it's like for this church to care? Show up tonight at our Thanksgiving dinner. Because some of you are going to walk in and you don't really want to be here tonight. Let's just be honest. Some of you don't feel very thankful. You're tired. It's been a long week. You spent all day yesterday doing whatever and nothing seems to be going right and the last thing you want to do is go home and cook something to bring this evening and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to show up and those people, "Ah, maybe you show up tonight and you sit down at a table and you might discover that there's somebody there willing to listen. A shoulder that you can cry on. A person that will pray for you. Celebrate a church that cares Number three, thank God for your church's prayers. How about the prayers of your church? That is something for which you should be thankful. Paul mentions them often in his prayers. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I thank my God. How does he do that? In his prayers. Then he says, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. In the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you. How does he mention Always in my prayers prayers asking that somehow by God's will I may at last come to you Paul is praying for his church but it's not just that Paul is praying for the church at Rome look at the reciprocal nature turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 verse 30 I appeal to you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. It's not just that Paul is praying for the church at Rome. Paul is writing to the church at Rome as one of her leaders and saying, Please pray for me. Paul assumes that they're going to do it. Folks, do you know what a blessing it is to be a part of a church that will pray for you, that will pray with you, that will pray over you, that will pray around you? Do you know? Do you? Don't ever forget it. Some of you are so convinced that you have nothing left to give to God's kingdom. Age has called up, the experiences of life have called up, you know, disease process called up, whatever it might be. Do you know? That wherever you are, in every circumstance of life, you can be a prayer warrior on behalf of Malvern Hill Baptist Church. Do you know that? Do you know? do you know why we haven't given up on a Wednesday night prayer service? It's not because I need a filler on Wednesday night. I still believe that prayer matters. I do. I still believe it's important that we come together and we pray. But I think it's important that we do a whole lot more than pray people out of heaven. We need to pray people into heaven. You know, You know what I'm saying about that? Right? A lot, a lot of our prayers are just about how, how all the sick people, we're going to keep them out of heaven. What if we started trying to pray some lost people into heaven? What might that look like? What, what, what if? What if we were serious on our knees before the Lord? Thank the Lord for your church's prayers. Paul expected the prayers that ch- the church at Rome would actually help him, right? Pray that I would be fruitful in ministry and that I'd be protected. I need you to strive with me. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. The prayers of God's people work. And this is a confidence we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of Him. Do you know that God listens to your prayers? So you should regularly thank Him for the prayers of your church because they matter. They affect things. Celebrate it. Paul did, and so should you. Finally this morning, thank God that your church can be found. Y'all ever uh, listen to country music? I know 90% of you do. Hopefully you listen to older country music because most of that new stuff is really bad. Thank you, whoever that was. I appreciate that. It's just terrible. But uh, um, there, there, there was a song just a few years ago called The House That Built Me. I loved it. It's probably 10 years old now. I'm getting old. Everything runs away from me. Is that Miranda Lambert? Is that who sang that? Is that right? Um, and, uh, and, and, and in that song, she talks about going back to her childhood home. O- on the back end of life, just kind of overwhelming and catching up. And, and, and she, she talks about all the things. You know, that's, that's where my dog is buried. That's where the, the, the bedroom where I, I learned to play the guitar. And, and the, the, the chorus of the song is, is, this is the house that built me. The house that built me. Now just stick with me on this. I want you to thank God, not only for the perseverance, I want you to thank God that your church can be found. I, I, I could have said something like be thankful that the church is still here, uh, but, 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 but I want you to understand that there's, there's this incredible privilege that we can be thankful that our church, not just the people, certainly the people, but even the building, the grounds, They serve as a sort of landmark and a signpost for people that have grown up in this church. This is the place that built them. Even if you didn't grow up here, you weren't born here, for those of you that came to faith in Christ and were discipled, this is the place that built you. Be thankful that your church can still be found. My grandfather wasn't a spiritual giant And that's the truth. I wish he were. But one of the things that always bothered him as an older man is that the church where he had grown up, the church where he was baptized, didn't exist anymore. The building had been torn down. Be thankful that your church can still be found. Your home is still here. I love the holidays, and I love the holidays for all sorts of reasons. I've been playing Christmas music for like three weeks, okay? It's just true. I, ho- Halloween is nothing but a road bump on the way to good holidays. I just want it to get out of the way. The only reason I care about it is because of Martin Luther and because of our fall festival, and, and that's it. Like, if Halloween just died, I'd be okay with that. It's fine. It's not a big deal for me. Uh, but Thanksgiving, man, that's where we really get ramped up. We're having a conversation with our kids because... Um, our, our little ones, like we, we want them to understand that Halloween just doesn't matter in our house. We need them to understand that. Um, like, I, we, we, I'll give them all the candy in the world if they can just move past it. That's fine. And, 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 and no, this is like, this is a big one. No, it's not a big holiday. There are major holidays and then there are really minor holidays, right? Well, what are the major holidays? Well, you know, you got Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter. And then after that, you got like the 4th of July, and, and then they begin to filter out. And, and one of my kids said, In Black Friday, don't forget about that one, Daddy. I said, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's my kid, right? Well, one of the things, I, like, as I've gotten older, one of the things I, I love to go home. I, I do. Uh, we'll go up for Thanksgiving and we'll see family, and that's exciting. But one of the things that I love is to be in public right here in Camden about the time that our college kids start coming home. Okay? I, I, I will be out of, our, out of the office a lot working in the next few weeks because I love it when our college, and I don't just mean they come into this building. I, I love it when college kids I don't even know begin to filter home. I'll be sitting at Chick-fil-A, and I'll see a couple of cars pull up. Sometimes they haven't even unloaded yet, but they've already called that friend from high school and they're cruising into town from wherever it is that they are. And they're going to meet and they're going to have lunch before they even go home and unpack. I see these kids come home and they're going back to the places that they know. I might be at the bookstore downtown and these kids will come in. And, 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 and they'll just be excited to see regular faces. Now that we have Starbucks, it's not new. But for them it'll be, I mean, it's, it's not old. But for them they'll come in and they'll be excited. There's homecoming, And then I'll show up on Sunday and some of our college kids begin to filter in. What's really awesome is our kids come home from school and they don't usually wait till Sunday. They they tend to filter through the church office. Generally, they're coming to me to look for a free lunch, but that's okay. I don't care. I bribe them, whatever it takes. You're going, Craig, what in the world does this have to do with, with the church? I love that our college kids have a place to come home to. I love that you all have a place to come home to. I love that you have a spiritual home. Home is important. It's the place where you can be recharged. Buster and I were talking this morning. They've been doing some painting in their house. So y'all pray for Buster. Um, and, uh, but he, he said, you know, and I agree. The worst part about doing work in your house is not the work itself. It's that when you finish the work in the evening, there's nowhere to sit down. Everything's all, all messed up. And I'm so glad that there's a place you can come home. There's a spiritual home. Homes where you come not to be judged, but to be restored and where you come to be healed. Home is important because it's a place where you can be recharged. It's a place where you can be yourself. Somebody stopped by our house unannounced Friday night at about 815 15. They didn't see Pastor Craig. They saw Craig in sweatpants and a t-shirt and my bedroom slippers. That's right. Had them on. And I know they were like, who is this guy? Because they're, they're in my house. This is your spiritual home. Thank God that your church is here. Paul wrote, get this, there was a church in Rome. Do you get it? Don't miss it. We can read the book of Romans and forget that there was actually a church that he was writing to. There were people there. There were people there. There was a place where Christians could go and be safe and welcome. There was a place where the lonely could go and be safe and welcome. There was a place where hospitality was practiced and ju- non judgmental love was practiced and the gospel was preached and people could come home. The church at Rome mattered a whole lot to be home. Why? Because the church at Rome was made up of a messed up group of people, they'd been kicked out of Jerusalem. That's how the church probably started. They all got all the Christians got kicked out of Jerusalem. They ran to Rome. They established a church, and then not too long after, they kicked all the Jews out of Rome. And so all the Jews left, and it's just the Gentile believers. And look, they're this ragtag group of people who doesn't have the history of the Old Testament really undergirding what they're trying to accomplish. And then over time, the, the, the Jewish fear sort of fizzles out and they begin to filter back in. You ready for this? So you got the church that's all of a sudden been filled up with all the newcomers and then all the old folks show back up. And I don't necessarily mean old in age. I just mean like the older, the older people, the people who've grown up in the faith. You want to talk about the potential for some serious conflict? The folks that show up and say, no, no, Sonny, this is the way we do church around here. And yet Paul writes and he says, I'm so glad that there's a place. Folks, when you thank the Lord, I want you to praise God that the church can be found. I want you to praise the Lord that your college kids have a place to come home to. I want you to be grateful that you can look at your kids growing up in our student ministry. And you can say, this is home. And whatever else the world may throw at you, this will be the place where you can come back and be safe. We might sing a song that you know. There will be a face that's, that's normal. You can come and be hugged and cared for and lifted up. This church has served as a landmark to God's goodness in this community for over 85 years. That baptistry is the place where countless lives have marked the change that God has wrought. Every once in a while, somebody randomly walks into our church. And they begin to look around. It usually happens at funerals. And they go, man, I can't believe it. I can't believe this place looks the way it does. But then inevitably they go back and they go, I remember the green carpet. Some of y'all been here long enough to remember that. You know? And me and Johnny, we used to sit back there, and I remember the time the pastor called us out from the pulpit. And I remember the look on my mama's face. When she found me. <laughs> you know I can still walk in the Zion Hill Baptist Church. And see the baptistry where I was baptized. The classrooms where I was taught. Even the room where I bowed with my pastor and my parents. To give my life to Jesus. You know I walk in there and it smells like home. Your olfactory sense is closely tied to your memories. And it takes me back. It makes me feel safe and comfortable. It's odd. I I don't know half the people there anymore, but in some ways when I walk in, I feel like it's more my church than it is theirs. Because for the first 20 years of my life, that's the church that built me. And I'm so grateful that I can still drive down East Main Street in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And everything there has changed. Y'all, the explosive growth is unlike anything I would have ever dreamed as a kid. Everything has changed. And yet, Zion Hill Baptist Church still sits on that corner. A testament to God's goodness. To that community. For I believe now over 150 years. Thank the Lord that your church can still be found. Praise God that it's a place that can build you. I don't have a great invitation this morning. It's it's not this powerful, moving invitation. I just wonder if you've actually thanked the Lord For the privilege of belonging to a church that's called by his name saints of god a church with a good reputation a church that cares for you a church that prays for you and a church that can still be found have you thanked the lord that when your life is falling apart you can crest that little hill down there and you can see the lights of Malvern Hill glow in the dark. Have you, ever, have you ever been in that place where you thought, Lord, if I could just get there? When Aubrey broke her leg years ago now, she was five. Still one of the, 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 the most powerful lessons about the church that Angel and I have ever, ever learned. She broke her leg here during the barbecue because the barbecue breaks everything spirits legs the whole nine yards she broke her leg on saturday she told us she was hurt we didn't believe her because i'm a mean parent i mean we knew she was injured but there or hurt but we didn't think she was really injured and so i came on to church the next morning we got the kids up and and she got her here and and she was screaming she wouldn't put weight on her leg and it was you know i'm, I'm gonna take her to the doctor we, we got to see so we, we made her stay through church though i mean we ain't playing you know and then off they go to the emergency room and angela calls and she says craig it's broken i don't believe it ain't broken yeah but it's broken femur they're talking surgery so you got to be kidding me we can't afford surgery i don't have time for surgery i don't want to see my daughter go through all of this it can't be broken so Angela and Aubrey get home about three, four in the afternoon, and we have a long conversation about whether or not she and Aubrey should be here. Now there is right, wrong, or indifferent. There's a there's a a, a, a sort of pressure that comes on the pastor's family to kind of show up, um, but at the same time, like I'm good with, with like, honey, I'll go to bat. You stay home, whatever you think is best. And uh, we're a little bit legalists, and so, and so Angela just says, you know, I mean. What are we going to do here? I mean, we're just going to sit here and watch TV. I guess we might as well take her to church. It's going to be you know, bad one way or the other. I might as well just take her. And so we put her in a red wagon and we drug her up in here. Some of y'all might remember that. Best thing we ever did. Best thing we could have done. Because at home, she would have gotten some mom time. She would have gotten family time, whatever that is. And I'm I'm really not even trying to be funny. Whatever that means. But here, she got to be surrounded by the family of God, the saints of God at Malvern Hill. The rumor had gotten ahead of us. By the time we got here, by the time she got here, the whole world knew her leg was broken. There were teddy bears and balloons and candy. And we limped into church depressed and we left encouraged have you thanked the Lord that you can crest that hill see because we know we can crest that hill and if the whole world around us is falling apart we know that if we can just get here there's a chance so that's my invitation this morning would you thank the Lord the opportunity, maybe some of you say Craig, I want to be a part of a church like that I don't know what it's like to become a part some of you don't yet belong to the family of God and you say, Craig, I need a family that won't let me down I need one who will stick closer than a brother can I have Jesus today he won't turn you away let's pray together, Father in heaven God be glorified to minister to and through us Speak to your people in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? And as Kevin leads us, just as I am, just as I am sing. If you want to come pray, come pray. Don't.